Mini episode 1446 of the FDH Lounge is brought to you by Sportsology, delivering unconventional columns and webcasts about sports, TV, music, movies, and more. Follow them on the web at sportsology.com. The FDH Lounge. You want to schedule your life around it. A long time ago, on a gloomy, wet Cleveland spring night, two men stand alone amidst the late night drizzle. Their voices echo across the vacant station parking lot as they debate the merits of the great American radio show that have been missing for far too long. On that night, an idea was born. That idea became the FDH Lounge. Welcome to the FDH Lounge. Hello, everyone. Welcome to FDH Lounge mini episode 1446. This is FDH managing partner Rick Morris here. And just like we did for last year's Super Bowl, we got a big treat for you. We are welcoming one of our favorite friends back to the show here to break down Super Bowl 56 between the Rams and the Bengals. And uh, he will, of course, uh, have some particular rooting interest for one of the teams because he himself suited up for one of the teams back in the day. And uh, I speak of our good friend, NFL player slash author slash motivator, Vernon Turner. And uh, it's our pleasure to get him back on the show. I have to say, he gave... Uh, one of these real clip-and-save predictions before the Super Bowl last year uh, and talking about this and uh, indicating how much the Tampa Bay defense was going to rise to the occasion and uh, specifically singled out Todd Bowles and said, we were going to go away talking about Todd Bowles after this game, which was uh, was a mouthful when you're talking about somebody going up against uh, Patrick Mahomes. But uh, the game happened, and I'm sitting there, and I'm watching it, and I'm like, I'll be damned. This is playing out exactly like Vernon thought, and I have to say, Vernon, I, I went to put you uh, over recently on, on one of our playoff shows here leading up to the Super Bowl. I invoked that, but that moment had to end up on the cutting room floor because when I was playing it back, I realized that I had a brain fart and I was referring to Tampa Bay defensive coordinator Todd Haley, not Todd Bowles. So <laughs> I, I, somehow or another, the two guys on with me didn't call attention to it, so I'm giving you credit for it now, since I didn't get to do it then, but uh, our our good friend Vernon Turner, who I love talking about uh, all things football, life, and uh, everything else. Uh, Vernon, thank you so much for coming back on, my friend. Uh, It's been about a decade or so of doing this with you, and it never gets old, buddy. Hey, uh, thanks for having me, Rick, and it's always a pleasure, an absolute pleasure to chop it up with you, man. Thank you for having me. Oh, really love it, buddy. Really love it. Uh, I mean, and again... You know, we, we have a number of uh, very smart football minds uh, in-house here uh, with the show. But, uh, again, it, when it's somebody that's actually played on Sundays, I mean, that is something that really kind of trumps other considerations. The rest of us speak theoretically. You've been there. You've suited up. You've done it. And there was a perfect example last year. I don't remember the exact context, but I was making a point that I'd made previously about when you were playing back in the uh, in the 90s, early to mid-90s, that, uh, you know, feeling like you were a little bit before your time, because at that time, really, scat backs were marginalized, and even if you had, you know, really good speed, if you didn't have the size, it kind of got held against you, 
And, and, and you kind of made a point about how it was a little bit more complicated than that that I thought was really kind of interesting. And yet, I'm sure there's guys that you look at in the game here today, and the guy that kind of jumps to my mind that we're going to be seeing on Sunday is when I see somebody like Cooper Cup, what he's able to do in the slot, I, I can only just imagine if you'd gotten put into that kind of role, if you got to work in space as much as that. I wonder if that's ever crossed your mind looking at somebody like him of like, gee, maybe that would have been, that would have been great. Uh, if offenses were more like this in the 90s, that would have been fun to do. Well, I'll tell you what, Rick, it's interesting that you say that is because uh, one, uh, there's a, one of my former teammates that I still chop it up with from time to time via, via social media. And uh, it's become a good friend of mine now, and that is uh, Jim Everett. I mm-hmm. uh, remember the quarterback for the Rams. Yes. And uh, we would reminisce from time to time. And he's, and I mean, it, it, it warmed my heart that he said this, but it's like, then I started playing a what if. You know, he was like, man, be imagine. I just wish we would have utilized you more out of the backfield and get you in one on one situations because you had skills. And, and, and what's great about it is, is that I, I hold him in high regard. I, I, the man was, a, he was awesome on and off the football field. He never got the credit that he deserved, but um, he was, he was a, he was a man's man. He was an awesome guy on and off the field, and that's the reason why we're still friends. But the fact that uh, he, he, <laughs> he tried to take me back then and put me in this era now uh-huh. you know, with all the schemes and all the things they have specifically for the little dudes to get open and, and have those special those special moments on the field. And then I catch myself reminiscing, man, and thinking about, okay, what if I would have been in like the the, the uh, Patrick Mahomes type of scenario in regards to that and, and that scheme and, and, and playbook. And I'm like, wow, that would have been pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Cool. You know, uh, there's a lot and lot of guys out there that I even watch, like Debo Samuel, of course, Tyreek Hill. Yeah, all these great guys that are small in stature, mm-hmm. but they make big time, big time plays. So I love seeing that. Oh, absolutely. And that, uh, I don't know that I'd heard you mention uh, being friends with uh, Jim Everett still previously. I'll tell you what, then, since you mentioned him, that had to be somebody who had a smile on his face because. Uh, you go back to the late 80s when that 49er run was at full steam and uh, there was an NFC championship game betwixt the 49ers and the Rams then and it didn't go the way of the Rams on that day. So for everybody, uh, you know, 30 years or so later, uh, you know, that had to be a good feeling for Jim watching it go the other way uh, the previous Sunday. Oh, yeah. You know, Jim is hype. He's really excited and uh, proud to be a part of a team that's now playing in the Super Bowl. And uh, he's uh, I see some of the things that he posts and things and he's just he's, he's loving it. And I, I, I am, too. You know, I found my rookie card and I, you know, post that. It, it, and of course, it was, it was with the Rams. And uh, and I didn't realize how many cards, trading cards I had with the Rams uniform on. So I'll be posting those later on uh, over the weekend. But uh, it's an exciting time. It really is. It's a special feeling to see a team that you played for at the show. It yes. Just, it, it, it means uh, even though we're not a part of it now, sure. we'll always be a part of it in, in our hearts, you know. And we can always say that, hey, we were we, we, at one time we were a part of that. Well, so ex- exactly. Oh, yeah. And that's, listen, when you were with the Rams, I mean, that was a difficult moment in history. That some of the better days in the 80s, uh, it had kind of fallen on harder times when you were there. And yet, I always make this point to people. One, one of the really kind of, you know, quirky things about history is, and I was looking at the rosters at the time, so you didn't overlap with this guy, but there's three people 
who went on subsequently. This doesn't have anything to do with football. You're one of the three with everything that you've gone on to do uh, with, as an author and everything that may come from that, or will come from that, I should say, strike that, will come from that. We'll get into that subsequently. There's you. There's a guy who had been on the Rams until the previous year when you got there, Bill Goldberg, later known as a big-time pro wrestler, and Terry Crews. So it's it's incredible. Three guys, yes. you don't, yeah. you know, and that's it. I mean, and, and of the three, you're the closest one associated to football uh, of the three. For Goldberg, you don't think of that first. For Terry Crews, it's, it's his long Hollywood career. But, I mean, it's just kind of crazy that, like, three people that would go on to do such disparate things, uh, it's it, it sort of an, it, they come out of an inglorious time in Rams uh, history when you guys were suffering through that particular stretch of time. You know, life would all get better for all three of you guys, that's for sure. Well, what's pretty cool about the whole deal when you mentioned, uh, especially T. Cruz, uh, he's a former teammate of mine. You yes. Know? We were with the we were at the ranch together, and uh, what was what's so cool about that is the fact that he is the same cat now that he was that he was back then uh, doing pop locks, and he was doing the same thing in the locker rooms. He was doing the same exact thing and peck jiggles and all of that stuff. <laughs> he was a, he was the same dude. So the fact that uh, you know he he made it at that level and he's and he's doing well, I'm, I'm you know I'm happy for him. I really am. But it's, it's it, it warms my heart when I see former teammates of mine uh, going off to do things like even Shannon Sharp. And I I don't know it was a few months ago. Uh, he even I couldn't believe he even remembered, but he had mentioned me on his show about you know the return men that did multiple duties in regards to uh, return kicks and running back, wide receiver. I was a utility guy, and he had recognized that on, I think it was, what's that uh, show that he's on right now? Uh, I forgot the name of it. Oh, the one with Bayless, yeah. Um, yes, yes. Yeah. So he had mentioned my name, and next thing you know, my, my, my text messages were blowing up, and my social media inbox was blowing up, and then it was pretty cool, though, that he remembered. That's, that's the only thing I was happy about, that he actually remembered. That's amazing. I was, you know, I was one of those um, journeymen, so. Oh, that's great. That's great. Yeah, because again, you you being uh, primarily a return guy, special teams guy, I know uh, that uh, when you were in Tampa, you know, the year that you had the first return touchdown in the history of the Bucks in 94, look it up on YouTube, guys. But uh, when you were there, I know that uh, you said that uh, the week of that uh, very same uh, Lions game that uh, you were basically playing the role of Barry Sanders in practice, which, I mean, that's got to be one of the coolest things ever. But as far as getting to spread your wings at a time like that, as opposed to today, I mean, I look at the other guys you know, of comparable size from that time. Somebody like Dave Meggett with the Giants uh, and the, the, the sort of narrow role he was in over a period of time. And I'll tell you what, somebody that people hold up as being the greatest coach of all time, Bill Belichick, but when he was in Cleveland in this town, there's a bitter catchphrase that we still use in this town, Metcalf up the middle. That was all Belichick knew to do with him, was just send him right into the middle of the line. So, I mean, I, I've said, I think previously on the show, I don't know if it was Andy Reid with Brian Westbrook in the early 2000s. I don't know where the tide started to turn exactly. Maybe it was in St. Louis with Mike Martz. But sometime around there, it seems like that was sort of the birth of the modern game a little bit more because the respect for the smaller guys sort of coincided with, you know, as the spread offenses really started going out there. And, you know, things stopped being a lot less vanilla, and, and you start, started working all the Basket Robins flavors into the game. Uh, and, and, and that actually kind of leads up to where these two offenses are uh, today because, uh, you know, they, they both uh, have a tendency to go in very, very exotic ways. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting uh 
game. You know, I was sitting here trying to figure out if I can make a prediction in regards to uh, how it's going to actually play out. Now, my Rams are going to win. I mean, they're going to win. But what's going to what's interesting is is that uh, this young man at the quarterback helm on the other side of that field is a very special young man. Yes, I call him Joe Cool. Yes, and um, that young man is like he, he's very unique in regards to his demeanor, in regards to improvising, in regards to okay, I, please don't un- please underestimate sure. because I will burn you. Yes, and um, and you gotta yes, uh, Jamar Chase, yeah, incredible, okay. incredible so that, player. Yeah, that's another special individual. That's yeah. another unbelievably special person that he throws to. And and what's what's unique about that whole team is that they're all selfless. Like they there are no prima donnas on that team. It's all about the end game. So it's going to come down to who has the ball last. I truly feel it. But uh, at the end of the day, it's going to be my bookends that's going to seal the deal. And that's going to be Aaron Donald and Von Miller. So those two are going to seal the deal. Yeah, I mean that's a hell of a combo right there. I mean Von Miller. Somewhere on, I'm sure, I'd say the first tier historically of linebackers in the NFL versus Aaron Donald. The only question is, at this point, if he's the greatest defensive tackle of all time or not. I mean, that's that's where we're at. Pretty much the consensus best defensive player in the game. Uh, I think it's pretty much a consensus that he will be the best player on the field on Sunday. And uh, I have to say, too, I don't have the, the personal connection that you do in a couple of these ways, NFL-wise, with uh, Vernon, but I have one to this game that's pretty cool to me. And that, me being an Ohio University guy, uh, so of course Joe Burrow, the son of our longtime defensive coordinator down there, he played at Athens High School. Athens High School is now uh, Joe Burrow Stadium down in the Plains, Ohio. And uh, when I was doing public radio down at Ohio University, I called high school football games in what is now Joe Burrow Stadium. So, listen, I'm a Browns fan all the way. I don't waver in that. But, listen, when my Browns aren't involved, I'll root for Joe Burrow because <laughs> there's that connection. You know what? That's yeah. fair. Yeah. That is fair. Yeah. I mean, you're staying inside the state. Yeah. And I, and I respect that. Yeah. You know? I mean, but I tell you what, one thing is going to be for sure. It's not going to be one of those lopsided games. It's going to be uh, right is in the coat, come right down to the wire. And both of these quarterbacks are going to do some great things. And Matt, Matthew Stafford, he has a, a story in, in itself. He's a tremendous young man. And uh, he's making good of, of this opportunity all the years he was at Detroit. And trust me, I know the feeling of being <laughs> in, in Detroit. Yep. So for him to have the opportunity to go west and first year out to do what he's doing, it's due. He, he's due. The young man is due. He's done everything else except for, did he, I don't know, did he win an MVP? I'm not sure about No, that. he's not won an MVP, so there is okay. still that yet to come. I'll tell you this, you make an interesting point about Detroit. You know, who are especially uh, if Stafford can win on Sunday, two of the most wistful people in the entire uh, world watching the game will probably be Barry Sanders and Megatron because there's two guys that could be like, man, what if? What if, I, what if I'd been sprung from that particular jail? You know what I mean? Matthew Stafford is the test case for a lot of guys whose career went to die in Detroit over the last couple of decades. Yeah, that, that was, and that was the, I'm going to be honest with you, anytime I think of Matthew Stafford, I, I, you know, I, I root for him that much more because mm-hmm. of what he went through. For the for the first uh, for the for the majority of his his career, where he what he all that he did, and he still couldn't 
get to that next phase. So having this opportunity to do so, that that young man is going to leave it all out on the field. I know that for a fact because of this opportunity that he has. Now, you know, it's, 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 it's crazy, and I think you're right. I believe that the Barry Sanders of the world is looking, and he's, I think out of the two, Megatron and Barry, Barry's going to be the one that's going to be more envious mm-hmm. of, his, of the situation for for Matthew because they let Matthew go. They traded him. Yep. They would not let Barry go. Nope. And, and Barry wanted to go. So the fact that, you know, Matthew got that opportunity to, to go, that's the thing. That's the one thing that I know Barry wish he could have. He could have an opportunity to play a couple more years, you know, at a different place. So um, overall, though, it's going to be a great game. It really is going to be a great game. Yes, it is. No question about it. And as far as it goes uh, with the matchup there, uh, I tell you, because I've been kind of going back and forth on my thoughts for this game. Uh, you actually, in what you were saying there, as much as your pick is going to be the Rams. Uh, you, you actually paint a relatively compelling case for the Bengals in this, in terms of if you think it could come down to the very end, the last possession, whatever, because here's what's making me think it may not come back to that, and I'm going to flash back to the aforementioned prediction you made last year vis-a-vis Todd Bowles and the Tampa Bay uh, defensive line against Kansas City's offensive line coming into this. And I have to say, I mean, it's all the more obvious this year uh, as far as the state of Cincinnati's offensive line, the fact that uh, Burrow got sacked nine times in the Tennessee game, went on to win, which was just about unprecedented. But then that that was Tennessee he was playing and not the Rams. So when we're talking about uh, Donald and Miller and Robinson and everybody that they can unleash in that front seven, uh, do you – Paint a picture for me on how you think Cincinnati can stay in the game long enough because it, it seems a little bit counterintuitive if you're just looking at the matchup. That's the worst matchup Cincinnati has on either side of the ball by far in the trenches, their offensive line versus the defensive front seven on the other side. Well, the thing that is is that uh, their their scheme, the offensive scheme, they got to number one, they got to get the ball out of out of Joe's hand. Mm-hmm. They got to have a a, a a a short to to mid range scheme to where he can release that ball now once that happens um what's gonna jamar chase is gonna find somebody that's lazy that's not want to say lazy but jamar chase is going to be feeling out the 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 people on the other side mm-hmm. and he's going to go back to joe and he's going to say i got him on this route okay it's going to be a, a on the fly type of deal and that's what makes that's what that's what makes the Bengals so dangerous because these cats they can improvise better than anyone that I've seen. They can improvise. So if they got and then and that's the thing. That's what's going to make this thing so exciting because Von Miller and Aaron Donald, especially Von. Von is one of them type of dudes that plays a mind game with the offensive line. The offensive line will be have they will think, oh yeah, I got him, I got him, I got him, I got him. Play after play after play after play. But when the when that play comes, when Vaughn says, okay, play time's over, when he has to make it, he makes it every time. And that's what, if you look at the last game that they played, I think they did play uh, the, the Buccaneers, I've, I was watching that game, and it was a needed. We, they, we needed to get to Tom. I said, Vaughn, flip the switch, baby, right now. And I'll be darned, he was the one that made the last sack. I mean, it, he, he just knows 
and he lulls these offensive linemen to a false sense of security. That's the reason why I think that if Joe is not careful, he, he's going he's gonna to be another victim of that. But at the end of the day, it's going to be a fantastic, fantastic game because I honestly think they're going to come up with a play action, uh, short to mid-range, and then they're going to improvise on who they can target specifically in that defensive backfield to, to, go, to go deep. So it's going to be – watch watch what I'm saying. Watch okay. what happens. So yeah. It's going to be a very, very fun game to watch. Oh, absolutely. And listen, Chase might only be a rookie – but as much as everybody's saying, and I think it is the marquee matchup of the Super Bowl one-on-one, Jamar Chase versus Jalen Ramsey, I absolutely think he can take Jalen Ramsey. Uh, that, that's uh, a, a, a matchup that, I mean, I wouldn't say it's necessarily in Cincinnati's favor, but it's it's one because it's asking a lot for it to be in their favor. But I think he can have his moments, and at the very least, even if he's keeping him occupied, I think T. Higgins is going to have to have a big game on the other side of the field as well if that's going to be the case. And uh, Von Miller, you know, it's an interesting thing. There were kind of some questions about him before he got to L.A. in terms of what he had left. This is a guy who's had some injuries and everything like that. But I was joking the other day with a friend of mine uh, about that old, I think it's a Travis Tritt lyric. We were talking about uh, Kevin Love with my beloved Cleveland Cavaliers and seeing him thrive this year in the right situation and the right minutes that he's getting. I ain't as good as I once was. I'm as good once as I ever was. I think we're going to see that from Von Miller on Sunday. Yeah, I, I honestly feel that uh, Von knows that this is a moment. This is a moment that all the doubters, all the naysayers, all the question marks of this guy's productivity and what he has left in the tank, he's going to put an exclamation point on that, and he's going to seal it. And the thing of it is, is that, you know, uh, Aaron Donald is Aaron Donald. He's going to do his thing. He's going to get his. He's going to get his. Yeah. But what's going to be interesting is the fact that, and to to circle back to what you were talking about in regards to Jamar Chase and Jalen Ramsey, that is, that's a mismatch. Get, uh, Jamar, Ch- Jamar Chase will one-on-one eat him for lunch. I'm just keeping wow. it. Wow. Okay. No, I'm just, I'm just oh. keeping it real. He's going to eat him for lunch. But, and and trust me, don't get the game twisted, the the, the the defensive coordinator is aware of that. So they're going to bracket him. They're not going to just have him stone one-on-one Jalen Ramsey versus Jamar Chase. That's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Or they're, they're going to disguise it to make it look like that, but they're going to over-the-top bracket him every time. Every time. Okay. Because, yeah, they, they have to. Jalen Ramsey can't cover that young man one-on-one. They can't do that. That Listen, I'll, I'll be watching for that, man. That's that's a that's a heck of a prediction right there. That that's a clip and save right alongside what you said about Todd Bowles last year, and that was absolutely correct. So there's no reason uh, not to believe what you're saying there. I, I appreciate the boldness, you know, because uh, again, there's a lot of talented players out there on both sides, and uh, when you talk about the scheming, for me, what Cincinnati did in the AFC Championship game. I mean, I think people might be scratching their head a hundred years from now about that because no, if, they, if you look at, if you, I don't know, did you see the prediction that I made in regards to that game? Oh yeah, I picked, I picked Cincy. Yeah. Okay. But how and they did it? How? What? I mean, the, the w- defensive adjustments went again. Listen, this Bengals defense, and I say this not in a good way. They remind me of where my Browns were a year ago when the, really the back seven was really. Not that great, and it was a thing where, and and the Browns a year ago, there was only so much they could do to kind of you know scheme for that. And ultimately, I thought that was going to be the Bengals' downfall in that game to go out there 
and replicate what the Colts did years ago to the Patriots, come back from 18 points down at halftime and come back and win. I, people will be scratching their head for decades about that with the personnel they had, how they overcame that on the road in that situation. Uh, I mean, that's really, uh, again, kudos to you for having made the prediction. What can you do to enlighten me and everybody else about how they were able to make those adjustments with the personnel they had against arguably the most explosive offense in the league? Well, the thing that is is that if you noticed, um, the biggest concern that I had was the fact that um, first half, if you if you remember the first half of that game, yeah. they had it to where they had all the time in the world on offense. The defense, big, the Bengals really struggled in regards to uh, getting to the quarterback. Mm-hmm. They had a hard time. Well... Here's my thing. Now, they may win in the halftime, made adjustments, and that's the one thing I can say about the the, the Bengals' uh, defensive uh, scheme, the defensive coordinator, the defensive uh, staff. They made some great adjustments because at the end when they needed to make plays, they made those plays. They made them. They made them. So my thing is is that they're going to be a second-half team. Mm-hmm. You know, a team that's going to be able to make the adjustments at halftime and and come out, and that's the biggest concern too. Now, when they're play, sitting here playing against the uh, the Rams, is that Rams got to be they got to be sexy on the, uh, on their on their scheme. They got to be they got to be clever. Mm-hmm. They got to disguise. They got to do all sorts of things. They got to throw them off the game, and they can You know, they I know they're all watching film and all of that stuff on each other. But they gotta they gotta have some adjustments to where just get them off their game a little bit so they can make that one big play. That's the reason why I honestly feel I it would be I would be shocked, I'm gonna be honest with you, if uh I think the ego coming out of the gate, they may try to get Jalen Ramsey to go one on one. I I would be if they did that, I would be shocked if they did that. I'm gonna be honest with you. Okay. Because the the, the, the once they see that I'm telling you, what's going to happen is that Jalen is going to do one of those stopping goes or a slant and go, and the next thing you know, because he, he can't keep up with this kid, right? He can't keep he can't keep up with. Him. So, like I said, man, it's going to be it's, it's going to be a chess game. It's going to be a chess game, a chess game that I cannot wait to watch. And I don't really, I the only time I really watch football, um, it's I do watch my Jets because. It, I'll always watch the Jets because of my dad. God rest his soul. Sure. But, but the playoffs and, and this moment right here, this is what it's all about. This is what it's all about. You're going to get the best of the best. You, you so. are going to get the best of the best. But by the way, quick side note on this first ever matchup of the four seeds in the Super Bowl. It, it is a year where, again, things were crazy. We talked about this on the show during the season that uh, on a gut level, this almost felt more like what the pandemic season of 2020 was supposed to feel like. This season actually felt more disjointed. So maybe four seed doesn't mean as much because a lot of teams were just up and down, up and down, up and down. But on a, on a gut level, I don't look at this like, oh, these are slam dunk the two best teams in football. I, I just, I mean, they might be, but I don't have that, that slam dunk feeling as I might in some years. How do you look at it? Well, if you look at the entire season, it was all over the place. Right, it was like it, it was a it was a gambler's nightmare. Yes, it, it truly was because at any given week, someone would lose. I mean, it was a hot mess when it came to that. And you know what? In a way, you, 
that's pretty cool. I like that. Yeah. I, I love that, to be honest with you. To really not know who's going to win a doggone game when you go in. Or when you honestly think that a certain team is going to win and they end up losing. I mean, that's what it's all about. It's, it's in any given Sunday. And not to mention, you got to remember now, this was the first year that they added that extra year, that extra game. Yes. It's a 17-week game. So, it's, it, it, believe it or not, it does take a toll. It really does. Sure. So, it, that made, it probably made a difference as well. And uh, it's, it's um, I don't know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a different type of year because of all the uncertainty with the pandemic and everything that's been going on and the protocols and stuff. It, it, it threw a monkey wrench. But the thing of it is, is that it threw a monkey wrench for everyone, not sure. just for one team or the other. So, they were all playing on the same playing field. That's true. That's a good you know, point. Yeah. So, so I mean, that, that excuse is out the window because everybody had to go through it. In terms of the strategy for this game, I'm going to hearken back to another game in the playoffs where there were two top flight offenses. And one of my regulars, Chris Galloway, and I, we were kind of joking about this going into the KC-Buffalo game uh, in terms of, you know, are, are you going to do what I think you're going to do? I'm going to try and take this away so that you can't do this. And as far as like trying to not only just exploit what the other team's going to do, but anticipate what you think they think you're going to do. And you can really, you know, get inside the looking glass, uh, you know, pretty quickly on that kind of stuff. But these two teams here, they're both hard to run on statistically. And uh, offensively, just in terms of the statistics, uh, neither one of them, has great rushing numbers, although it's deceptive in both cases. For the Rams, uh, obviously they didn't have a healthy backfield the entire season, and they do now. For Cincinnati, they were 23rd in the yard in, in the league collectively in rushing yards, but Joe Mixon was the third leading rusher. So if you just look at the as far as a lead back goes, Cincinnati didn't run the ball much when it wasn't Joe Mixon. That's why that number was deceptively low. So both teams are better than the statistics would tell you. The Rams were 25th in rushing, but like I said, Throw that out the window because you're talking about a different backfield that they have now. I wonder if there's any, uh, you know, temptation on the part of either team to try and think, okay, well, maybe if we can ice the other offense, keep them on the sidelines for a while. Maybe in the case of Cincinnati, especially that, uh, you know, uh, if if we go to Joe Mixon a good amount, it'll kind of, you know, throw off the pass rush a little bit. It'll make them respect uh, the rush a little bit more. Maybe make things a little bit better for Burrow. Do you think there's a chance that either of these teams goes more run-heavy than we think, or does this just turn into the kind of game we're expecting where really they're just winging it back and forth for 60 minutes? Well, I know that both of these teams, expect, you know, uh, their motto is going to be keep the quarterbacks uh, off the field. Mm-hmm. So my, my thought process is, is that if they're able to mm-hmm. have a, a, a cool enough scheme off tackles, um, um, draw plays, um, even though I haven't seen a draw play and I don't know how many, how long it's like, it, it went obsolete. <laughs> right. A, a natural draw play went obsolete. Right. But they have, um, if they can, if they can find a way to get the running game going, they definitely want to eat clock and keep, and, and keep the offense off the other the offense off the field. Mm-hmm. The thing of it is, is that if, this again, it's going to be very, very interesting on what kind of scheme because they, the first fifteen plays are scripted, right? Of of a of, of of a game. So I'm really curious to see what they come up with. I know they're going to come out of the huddle and they're going to see exactly where who's playing where and and and, and what, they're going to try to get a feel for what they have. 
Now, my thought process, the first the first play of the game is going to be a play action. Play action. Okay. And Yeah, it's going to be a play action, and it's going to be like a maybe a drop-off to the tight end and so on and so forth, but it's not going to be anything heavy. Now, I will take that back. I'm going to make a prediction. If they come – if if the Bengals get the ball first uh-huh. and they come out of that huddle and they see one-on-one matchup and Jalen is over Jamar, um, I wouldn't be surprised. Now, I'm not, I cannot it'll, – it'll be suicide if they came up press. They're not going to do that. Okay. They're going to play off man. If they do that, they're going to see – they're going to come up with a with a, a 8 to 10-yard hitch to Jamar Chase mm-hmm. to, to say, okay, let's see how you're playing me now. Uh, you you need to come up a little bit closer because if I get this and I get open space, I'm I'm gonna get I'm gonna run by you. So it's gonna be a really fun thing. But come to answer your question, the team that figures out how to run in addition to their passing scheme is going to be the team that wins. Interesting. Yeah, I agree with you. I think uh, that kind of balance is is going to be very much more pronounced for the winner of the game than the loser of the game. And uh, I think, again, we talk about trying to anticipate what the other team's going to do. This is one of these things, and we've seen it before in Super Bowl history of uh, coach versus, uh, you know, mentor here, Sean McVay versus Zach Taylor. And it's funny to think of uh, Sean McVay, who really kick-started this whole thing of the super young coaches in the league, and he is the elder mentor to Zach Taylor over there for the Bengals, who was... uh, on the verge of getting canned before Joe Burrow came along. And amazing what can happen once you get a quarterback like uh, Joe Burrow in there. But, uh, you know, as far as what you said about the scripting of the plays as well, yes, that will be indicative because sometimes there is a pronounced break in terms of what you see with that. Watching the Browns games this year, for example, and what a painful thing that was, just like it's been most years since they came back. Uh, The first 15 plays of the game, it looked like Paul Brown drew them up. The rest of the game, it looked like Wayne Fonts drew it up. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's going to be pretty interesting is the fact that, uh, you know, if they're going to run against my Rams, they're going to have to go inside. They're yes. Go, they have to go inside the tackles. They mm-hmm. cannot run outside the tackles because you got the bookends there. Right. So they're going to probably kick, take the tackle and pull pull a guard and, and, and kick out and, and and run off tackles. Okay. The thing of it is, is that I think they're going to, I truly think that they're going to, I, I, and I don't even think they're going to do outside screens. I think they're going to do more inside screens. Okay. Than the outside screen. So I, they just don't want to have, don't, they don't want to have anything to do with the bookings. They don't want to have anything to do with those guys. Right. So they're going to have a scheme to where they can actually get the ball in the back's hands. Now, if is it going to be an off tackle? Is it going to be a, a slip screen? Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they do this. But at the end of the day, um, it's going to come. Like I said, it's going to come down to um, unless there's you know if they can eliminate the catastrophic mistakes, the interceptions, the fumbles, and stuff like that. If they secure the ball, it'll come down to the last play. Okay, interesting. And, uh, yeah, I, I can't help but think of what the Cincinnati offensive meetings have got to look like in terms of if you're talking about uh, uh, going inside to try and make things work. I mean, I'm wondering what kind of a rah-rah speech that sounds like. Like, hey, if we can get a couple of our crappy offensive linemen to tie up Aaron Donald, we're going to be just fine. <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, I mean, you got, you got the – you got the, they have scenarios. It's right. Like, okay. If they come up and press, this is what we're gonna. This is like automatic adjustments. Right. Side adjustments. 
Right. So I mean, they already that's already picked in, but they gotta have they gotta do some unique things. They gotta do something that they haven't shown all year long. Agreed. So trust me, they had two weeks to prepare. Trust me when I tell you they're gonna come. They're gonna come out with different formations. They're gonna come out with the uh, offset. It's gonna be the same plays, but it's gonna be different formations. They're gonna uh, different routes, different types of routes, mm-hmm. big routes, rub routes to get Jamar open more. So, and I know they want to get him into the game, involved in the game as early as possible. But I, I, I sit here and I talk mess about Jalen. Jalen is one of the smartest young men sure. in that defensive backfield. He will figure it out. Yes. He's going to find a way to make a play. That's I'll leave it at that. He's going to find a way to make a play that's going to make the difference in, as far as in, in the outcome. Watch what I say. I don't know when he's going to do it. Okay. But he's going to get he's he's going to get challenged. He's going to get uh he's going to get frustrated because Jamar's going to put uh, Jamar's going to put it on him early. He's going to figure it out because he's that smart. He's going to figure it out. He's he's going to he's going to disguise something and Joe is going to is going to read it wrong. Okay. Yeah. And watch what happens. Well, yeah, and uh, that's the kind of thing that can obviously uh, happen once, uh, you know, a team's got a lot of pressure coming on you. And again, uh, we would all be fools not to expect maximum pressure and a lot of uncomfortable moments in the pocket for Joe Burrow. And uh, again, this will have a chance. This will be something here uh, for a guy who uh, two years ago led his team to the national championship LSU, uh, getting it done there and uh, coming in as quickly as he has with the Bengals and taking a team with their level of historic futility all the way this far, a chance to really, really cement a legend if he can do this. My, my sense in all of this is that, uh, again, and as, as much as I root for Joe Burrow uh, personally because of the Athens-Ohio connection, that uh, I just I think they're going to get in a hole from the pressure and everything early on. Like you said, they're very good at making adjustments, but I, I think unlike the Kansas City game, I don't think they'll fall as far behind as they did in the AFC Championship game but I think the hole is going to be too deep. I will say Rams 31-24. I know you've already uh, indicated uh, Rams here. Wondering what kind of a game, if you you think it's going to be uh, very high scoring, medium scoring, I I, I think I can rule out you predicting low scoring. (laughs) No, no, no. I tell you what, uh, contrary to what I think the defenses are going to do, I honestly feel that their schemes are going to be so hard to read and, and and catch on both sides that they're going to go back and forth. They're going to go tip the tap, and it's going to go. Uh, 30, I call it thirty-one twenty-seven. Okay. Oh, I, I was call close. It thirty-one twenty-four. I call it thirty-one twenty-seven. Interesting. All right, so we're very close on that. Yeah, and that's yeah, yeah. That, that's that's how I uh, I see it playing out. Uh, unsurprising, I guess, in the course of the conversation, that it would end up being uh, relatively close together on our. Uh, predictions like that. Uh, and uh, of course, as I had uh, teased earlier, and as uh, folks have come to uh, expect, because uh, there have been many times on the show where this has maybe been more so the focus of our conversation than anything on the field here, is uh, everything uh, with your uh, your writing and uh, what has come out of it, uh, that uh, in your years and retirement in the game and working in business, uh, subsequently, uh, telling the uh, the amazing story that you had been uh, carrying around yourself all those years, uh, that leading to the book, The Next Level, a game I had to play, uh, which uh, I can see here on Amazon. We are only uh, about five weeks out from the 10-year anniversary of, so that's uh, truly 
incredible in the way that it's kind of taken on a life of its own and really been a launch for everything else that you, you've wanted to do subsequently, and that just keeps getting bigger and better, Vernon. Well, yeah, you know, I, for the amount of time that it took me to get the courage to write the first book, um, and then everything that led on after uh, the release of the book, you know, getting an opportunity to meet some amazing people, uh, and it now being um, a product of, uh, of, of in pre-production of a feature film, it's, 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 it's crazy. It really is. It's, it's, it's a head scratcher, you know, and the pandemic hits and then we get all sorts of obstacles and the way I'm built, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't let anything defeat me in regards to uh, production wise. So what do I do during a pandemic? I write two more books. Mm-hmm. Incredible. <laughs> I wrote a, I wrote a self-help book in this title, um, Beyond the Limits, Finding My Purpose. And then um, I'm raising my seven-year-old son, and um, every night he has to read to me. And he's sitting there, and he re- he's reading this book next to me. And there's a character inside the book, and he was asking me questions about it. And I'm like, this kid, he's like a little sponge. So I don't know. With everything that's going on uh, with our world today, I was staring at him, and he inspired me. I, long story short, I ended up writing a children's book, and that's called... Uh, the first for those who look like me. So I took 25 in- influential people of color and 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 highlighted that they were the first to do what they do uh, in their field as 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 a person of color. And um, it's a very it became an unbelievably special project for me for so many reasons. But I had the manuscript and I had my son read it, and he was just. I couldn't believe that he understood what the heck he was reading. He's seven years old, and he actually, he was at, of course, there were words and things that he, you know, he wanted to get the meaning of, but for the most part, this young man was glued to the book. So I'm very proud of that. They have not been released yet, mm-hmm. and um, they will be released once we get further along with the film project. And um, so I'm really excited for 2022. Uh, there's going to be some special things to happen, and um uh, if you want me to share, and I don't have a problem, I think you know. Prior to coming on air, sure, I did, I did share with you that uh, we just um, got greenlit with the NFL um, in regards to I will they'll be doing a feature on my life story on NFL films, and it'll be airing either just bef- uh, late August or the first week of September is going to air. So I'm really excited about that, you know, to be a part of the NFL family and have them uh, be a part of mine in regards to my afterlife of, uh, of the NFL. So um, that's going to be a very, spe- very, very special project for myself and my family. I was very honored talking to you uh, prior to air when you said that, I mean, I was basically getting the news, you know, right as, as you had gotten it here and to, to have been in the position to have heard that uh, that early, that immediately from you. Uh, that's a tremendous honor, and uh, I have to say again, you know, as far as uh, you know, your your writing goes, uh, anything that's predicated on a number, Vernon, be it twenty five or seventy five, as long as it ends in a five, buddy, it's a sign of quality. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I tell you, man, I I I look back at my entire journey up till now, and um, I look back and I reflect, and I still scratch my head. You know, um, I. I'm so blessed to, to have opportunities that I've been given that was given to me. And um, I'm just want to make sure 
that I utilize all the tools that that has been given to me. Because at the end of the day, when it's time for me to go, I want to meet my. I want to stand before God, and I want to say, I I've utilized every tool you put in my pocket, and I have nothing left to give. That's where where I want to be at the end of the day. So that's what I'm working towards. Yes, yes, absolutely, and uh, everything like that. And and, and again, it's something that uh, you know you and I both know. Uh, you know, from from everything we've gone through. Uh, you know, as, as well as as far as you know the things you know you with your your mother and and me with mine. Uh, that motivation now of you live your life in such a way when that time comes. Boom, gonna see your mom again. You, you and I both understand what that's like too. I have to look forward to. Yeah, you know, what's crazy about that, Rick, is that uh, you know it was a time when I used to be afraid of that time, mm -hmm. of that time of me meeting, meeting my maker. I'm not afraid. I am not. Uh, I've lived a pretty full life, and uh, everything else right now is gravy and icing for me, yep. as far as I'm concerned. So um, I'm, you know, I, what a heck of a journey. What a heck of a journey. So, um, again, I'm not done. I sure. still got enough stuff, stuff in the uh, in my pockets that I got to get out and utilize. So, um, I'm going to stick around a little while longer. Well, I, I have to say, too, you know, and I understand what you're saying there, and I understand that thought and that fear uh, that you would have had at one time in your head, and that's the thing where uh, somebody who has uh, become uh, a friend of mine and a friend of our show, uh, a great author, uh, and uh, motivator uh, Maya Master. It's a thing of where we don't realize she's a great teacher in this of how things are universal and how you think it's just some, something in your head you think is just the absolute. So I can see where you were thinking that, Vernon. I could see where you would have had that fear at some point uh, about, uh, again, crossing over, meeting your mom when it's all said and done. But that being, there's nobody else that knows you that would look at it that way. It's That's just a thing where we all get on our own heads about these kinds of things here. Objectively, there is zero reason whatsoever that would ever be the case. I can say that as a friend of yours and somebody who's really looked up to you and learned from you and everything like that. There was never a reason for you to think that, and yet I understand why you did because that's something we all do to ourselves. Yeah, it's uh, it's one of those things to where a part of me on the inside is going to always be broken because mm -hmm. of my past, but I never allowed that to to stop my forward movement of the reason why I'm on this earth. And it took me a long time, Rick, to figure out why, what my purpose was. And, um, you know, you know, the big guy gave me a platform. He gave me an opportunity to do some things to where I was able, I'm able to pass it forward. And, uh, and, you know, all those years ago when my mom had that dreadful choice to make and she decided to keep me after what she went through. Mm -hmm. I mean, for me not to give my all, and everything that I do, it, it, it kind of defeats the purpose of everything that my mom sacrificed. So yep. at the end of the day, I just want to make sure that she can look down and wink and and say, hey, you, you, you're doing your thing, kid. You know? And that's what I'm hoping. And yes. my dad, too. My yes. Dad, yeah, yes. They have probably the best love story you will ever, ever see on the big screen. And yes. When that time comes, you guys will see when you'll know. Once you see, you you'll say, "Yeah, V, you're right. You're right." So absolutely, there's a lot of things to look forward to. Then. Oh, there's a lot of things, uh, buddy, and that's the thing too of where you know these cycles of life here now of you know you go from you having been the son to you now being the parent. I will say, you know, when I see on Facebook there 
when you host the pictures with, with you and your son. I always smile to see it because, you know, you're, you're living out this cycle, this generation, the way that you would want to. Uh, that that uh, the boy clearly doesn't lack for anything. Uh, he's got a wonderful home that you're providing there. Uh, I just smile when I see the amount of, you know, love that's that, that's present in that. And uh, again, you've, you've got a quote on your page here, right at the top of the page on a homepage at vernonturner.com. Uh, you, you use this quote an awful lot from Mark Twain. The two most important moments in your life, first is when you're born. The second one is when you find out why you're born. And uh, this journey you've been on, uh, Vernon, uh, it's, it's really been one, it's been, it's been fascinating and uh, basically uh, it's certainly very inspiring to everybody who has uh, seen it. You have gone through that journey you discovered why you were born, and I look forward to seeing it play out here as you get to share this story now ever more widely with the world. That We are on the verge of that being the case here in the time to come, and I'm really looking forward to it from your perspective because I think that is going to you know, give you even more peace and fulfillment, even as some aspects of it will be difficult for you. It will, but the one thing I also I realized, Rick, is it's not even about me anymore. It's yes. way above me. So it, it, that's what gives me the strength and the courage to follow through with everything that I'm doing. So um, it, as long as it's, it's, it'll, it'll never be about me and I won't allow it to be about me. And uh, because there's so many people out there that's going to hopefully have an, it'll, it'll have an impact on a whole bunch of people out there once they see the journey and uh, the, the choices that are made, the good and the bad, you know, so... It's, it's, it's one heck of a thing that uh, I can, uh, the word legacy means more to me than what people think. Yes. Uh, you know, that, that means a lot. And some people take that for granted, that word. Some people don't even know what that word means. But, uh, you know, how would I be remembered when I'm gone? You know, how, what's that everlasting moment? What's that everlasting memory I'm going to have with the people that know me, know me and the people that know of me? Mm-hmm. What are they gonna? What is the first sentence they're gonna come out their mouth when they describe me? Sure, I can dictate that narrative. Yes, you know. So that's what I'm trying to. Do. Yes, and uh, that will be ever more the case uh, as your story gets uh, more widely told to the world, and uh, we are on the verge here uh, in the time ahead of of that being exponentially more the case uh, than it is today. And uh, I look forward to everything that's going to come. Uh, with that, uh, very proud of you with everything that you've uh, done, my friend, and uh, very proud and happy to get you on the show. Uh, as always, uh, once again, uh, an amazing discussion here uh, with you today. Uh, always love doing it. Thank you so much for making time for us, Vernon. Well, Greg, it's always an amazing, amazing time to chop it up with you like we always do, man. You are, you're the real deal. I appreciate you, partner. I appreciate it. Thanks, Vernon. That's quite a compliment coming from you. I really appreciate it. Thank you, everybody, for joining us here today for FDH Lounge Mini, episode 1446.